Hey guys, today we have Rhonda Kalutung on talking about how to porn proof our kids. Now, if you have little kids around, this might be a good one for headphones. There's nothing explicit, but of course that's just up to you what you think is appropriate. Rhonda is coming on with some absolutely fantastic advice for how we can battle this epidemic in our little domestic churches. Hey there, Mama. This is True Presence, the podcast where Catholic moms like you and me learn to be embodied souls. St. Catherine of Siena said, be who you were meant to be, and you will set the world on fire. In the midst of hurry, worry, and social media, we're doing a 180 and focusing on real presence, communion, connection, natural living, and bringing eternity into our hearts and homes. I'm your host, Kelsey, and I'm so glad you're here. Thank you so much for joining us today. Would you mind telling me, how did you get started with your program on porn proofing your kids? Sure. Oh, hello, everybody. My name is Rhonda. I'm a Catholic homeschool mother of three, and I decided that I had wanted to take training as a life coach. So I was in my life coach certification program, and towards the end of it, I was in adoration, just journaling before the Blessed Sacrament and asking God you know, how do you want me to use these skills um, as a life coach and my experience as an educator? Because I'm a, I'm also a teacher and have been teaching for over 20 years. Like, how do you want me to use these skills to serve you and to help others? And, um, you know, I was really expecting him to to say something along the lines of coaching homeschool moms um, on time management or weight loss or something like that. And instead, what he showed me was a glimpse of a website with the words theology of the body on one side, which was really exciting for me because I love theology of the body. And then the word pornography on the other side. And I have to tell you that that really threw me for a loop. I think, you know, I was sitting there in adoration, all cozy, comfy and, you know, journaling with Jesus. And I think like my head actually snapped up and I kind of went, you what? <laughs> like You want me to do what? Um, yeah. So it it just really was this out of the blue calling and, it took me a while to figure out what that looks like, but eventually I I landed on a course for Catholic parents to help porn-proof their kids, and I really couldn't find anything out there like it. Um, and so, yeah, the, creating the course was was really my response to, to trying to answer God's call. Can you talk a little bit about how our exposure to porn and the availability of it has changed in recent years? Absolutely, 100%. And and not even in former generations, Kelsey. Like I think it's more prevalent even in my own lifetime. So when I was a, a child, like I'm, I'm part of the Gen X, like I'm in the tail end of Gen X. So um, I had a, this analog childhood and then I only really digital living only really became part of my experience in my early 20s. So when I was a kid, if, if someone wanted access to pornography, they had to um, really want it and be willing to experience a bit of embarrassment to get it. So, you know, they had to drive down to the corner store and face-to-face ask the clerk for the magazines they kept behind the counter, right? <laughs> like, um, it, it, it really was this active sort of pursuing of the thing. But these days, as you mentioned, just with 
our social media and our music and our movies, um, our television shows, our fashion, porn is pursuing us, right? And not only is it pursuing us, but it's much more acceptable. Um, it's much more normalized and it's, it's just promoted in, in a lot more ways. So absolutely, it's more prevalent than ever before. Yeah, I have to say, as a parent of small children, I just find it really alarming. It seems mm-hmm. like there's almost no way to, you know, prevent them from being exposed to it. Mm-hmm. It's just everywhere. Morality aside, though, if you want to talk about morality, you're absolutely welcome to. Yeah. What is the danger of porn to our families? Yeah, so... The the Catholics and the Christians that I've talked to tend to fall into one of two extremes in regards to the morality of it. So not everyone sees porn as a problem or something that's even sinful. Um, so I've had even Catholic Christians say to me, well, it's not a big deal because it doesn't harm anyone. But on the other hand, I've I've encountered people who think that if you use porn, it's automatically a mortal sin. And um, neither of those are are the case. So porn is always a sin. Like using porn is always a sin, but it's not necessarily a mortal sin. So um, when I talk to people, I, I I try not to assume that they like where they are at morally. Like I, because you just never know. <laughs> um, yeah, true. You don't know where they're coming from or what they learned or what they've heard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was curious about it. So I asked a friend, I, I asked two friends of mine who are priests and uh, one of them referred me to the Catechism of the Catholic Church and specifically to paragraph 2352. And in that paragraph of the Catechism, it, it clearly states now, this, this particular paragraph is about masturbation, not specifically about pornography, but since masturbation is almost always um, part of porn use, um, I think it applies here. So the paragraph 2352 clearly states that, that masturbation is always sinful and that it always has been considered sinful in the tradition of the church, but that it's it's not necessarily a mortal sin and that in order for it to be a mortal sin, many factors need to be taken into consideration, including um, the age of the person, um, habituation, situation, and so on. And to answer the second part of your question about the dangers to our families, um, porn is addictive. It's not officially classified as an addiction by the American Psychological Association. So it's not listed in the DSM or the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, but it does meet all of the criteria for an addiction. So we want to be very careful with pornography because of its addictive nature. Um, but also just because it's it is a sinful, it is a sin, sorry, and sin is always harmful and damaging, and it's never an isolated event. So for those people who say to us, oh, it's not a big deal because, um, you know, it doesn't really hurt anyone, it is a sin, and sin is always communal. 
always affects not only the person sinning, but all of their relationships, starting with their relationship with God and then their relationship with themselves and then branching out to their relationships with other people. Um, so porn is harmful not only spiritually, but it's harmful mentally, emotionally, and even physically um, for people. And the way that I've been thinking about it is um, like from an economic standpoint. So let's say that I'm being a real punk and I throw a rock through a window in your house. I would never do that, but hypothetically speaking. Um, and it costs you, say, $500 to fix that window, right? So how much did it cost you to fix the window? So most people would say, well, it costs $500, but because that's what we see, right? We see the damage and then we see the cost to put in the new window. But but the part about this theory that really fascinates me is that is that what we don't see or the hidden cost or is the potential of what else you may have done with that $500. The opportunity cost of it. The yeah. opportunity cost of it. So um, I think it, it's, so maybe you wanted to use that $500 to purchase an investment or to um, buy a cultural experience for your family or to, I don't know, um, commission a tailored jacket or something. Do you know what I mean? Like, so, mm -hmm. so we not only did you, did you have to put that money towards fixing your window, but then, then like the, the tailor doesn't benefit from, from the purchase of the jacket or the, the um, investment doesn't get purchased or the cultural event doesn't get supported and attended. Right. So we don't, we never see that cost. Right. There's all these ripple effects of what could have been. Mm -hmm. And I think the same thing applies to pornography as one of its biggest dangers, because um, think about the time, the effort, the energy, and sometimes even the money that is wasted, sh shall we say, on pornography. And what else could that time, energy, money be invested for. It's so true, right? Yeah, so that's that's I think one of the hidden dangers. Um but but one that's um very subtle, you know, like if I think if Satan can lull a whole bunch of people into using pornography, um then he has successfully taken um some very powerful currency out of the economy, so to speak. True, and out of all the time in the family. Mm -hmm. um, now, one thing I've heard is that it can also change the way that people relate to each other. Like mm -hmm. people will begin to objectify one another. Mm -hmm. What would you say about that? I say it's true. <laughs> that, is, that is how it happens. Um, St. John Paul II said that the only proper response to a human person is to love them. Um, and so pornography doesn't, doesn't love the person. And it, it, what it does is it teaches people to use another person as a means to an end. Um, and just to take kind of the opposite of your, um, the opposite spin to answer your question, I, 
I asked, I asked people who don't struggle with porn why they don't struggle with it because <laughs> I was curious. Like, well, some people struggle with porn. I want to know why. But I also want to know why people don't struggle with it. So I asked them, I'm like, why is porn not a problem for you? And, and some of the things that they said were things like, um, that's somebody's daughter. Mm, that's a beautiful perspective. Right. Or what I have with my wife is way better than that. Um, or I'm accountable to God for my actions. Um, or what else did they say? Oh, um, I need to set a good example for my children. They're thinking so much bigger. Yeah, thinking so much bigger. So, so the Christian or the Catholic perspective is to see the whole person as, as the beautiful, loving, or the beautiful and lovable creation that they are, whereas porn really distorts that and teaches people to see others as a means to an end. Um, as a means to self-fulfillment and, and to objectify them. It is so interesting. It takes, yeah, it takes the image of them and it separates them from who they are. Mm-hmm. And that really is the essence of, um, of death. What death, that's the, that's the definition of death. So um, the definition of life or what makes something alive is the marriage of a body and a soul. And that's where the theology of the body comes in. And that's one of the primary teachings of theology of the body is that we are embodied spirits. And so what pornography does is it separates the body from the soul. It separates the body from the person. That is and very profound. Right? And the, the, the more, the greater that separation, um, the, the closer to death that we have. And when we think about the action of God, God is um, relationship and love and unity, especially if we consider the Trinity, right? Yes, Um, you are so right. The Trinity is, my husband and I were actually talking about this recently. We were trying to define unity and he was praying about it. And the Lord's answer to him was unity is the Trinity. Yes. Yeah. And that's really what we're invited into, right? That's the beatific vision is we're being invited and drawn into that unity. So whenever we're looking um, at the fruits of an action, we could say like, whatever is unitive is life giving, right? And that which is dis brings disunity or um, dissociation is, is what brings us closer to death. And that ripples right into our definition of sacramental marriage, doesn't it? Mm-hmm, absolutely. Unitive and procreative. Yes, 100%. Now, tell me, because I know this is probably the main thing that everyone wants to know. Mm-hmm. What are some practical steps we can do to protect our kids from this culture of porn mm-hmm. and, as you say, this, this death that's mm-hmm. just permeating everything? Yeah. So the most practical thing you can do to protect your kids from porn is to porn proof them. (laughs) So um, you porn proof them by teaching them five things. And these five things um, come out of my conversations with people who don't study porn, who don't um, like don't struggle with pornography and also from prayer and study and, and from conversations with people who have overcome pornography. So so the five things that, that kids and people need to know in order to be porn proof are first who God is, 
Second, who they are. Third, what sex is. Fourth, what sin is. And fifth, exactly what to do when they encounter pornography. So if you truly and deeply know those five things, when you encounter porn, what happens is you are repelled and disgusted by it, which is the natural and just response to pornography. So I think of porn proofing your kids as putting a filter on their heart. I think that's a very good holistic way to think about it. Mm -hmm. So it really is going to be a lot more than just about the porn itself, won't Yeah, I actually, I have a theory, I can't prove this, but I have a theory that you can porn-proof your kids without ever using the word porn. There's probably something to that. Mm -hmm. Because it's not actually about the porn. (laughs) It's about all of the other things. Like, it's more about God and about fully understanding who God is and who we are in relationship to Him. And then, as you mentioned, what sacramental holy sex is and 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 what that truly means, um, and then what sin is and what it isn't. And when you know all of those things, and you can really focus in, you can do all of that without without talking about pornography specifically. Um, and that's especially important, I think, for parents to realize. Um, parents with really young children, like we don't want to um, we don't want to damage their innocence in any way, right? But just I think to know, you know, I really am um, porn proofing my five-year-old when I teach them the proper names for their body parts, or when I teach them to sing, yes, Jesus loves me, or when I take them to mass and explain what's happening during the consecration. Those things are all working towards porn proofing your kids. You know, I could see that because I think, you know, sometimes we see there are these programs that are like, for instance, for drugs, where they're not very effective because what they do is they go into all the details about every single drug and these kids who like never knew anything about it, learn about it for the first time versus um, programs that instead help to build them up in terms of like their understanding of their personal agency and the self-esteem to not engage in the things their peers are pushing them into are so much more effective. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of the things that we, that we do to teach our kids who God is also inform us and teach us who we are as well. So that's something that I think is really beautiful. So when I go to mass, um, it, and I, and I learn about who God is in the mass, right? That he self-sacrificed, that he sacrificed his son for my salvation, for example. Well, what do I learn about myself from that? I learn that I'm worthy of his love, right? I learn that I'm loved. I'm loved to that extent. He sets your value. Yeah. And, and you come to understand your true value. Um, and the more we understand who God is, the more we understand who we are. And when we look in scripture, um, God tells us who he is over and over again in scripture. Like I, we just celebrated Good Shepherd Sunday, right? So when God says, I am the Good Shepherd, um, that tells us who he is and who his character is. Well, then who am I? I'm shepherded. I'm protected. I'm part of the flock. Right, and, and it informs me about who, what my identity is, um, and that's something that I think is really beautiful. 
Yes, and very important. Very important to be grounded in that identity. Yeah. And so um, for people who are looking for sort of more practical things, um, one idea that I would propose is that, um, you know, because because we are living in domestic churches or, you know, striving to create our home as a domestic church, one thing we can do is create sort of a family environment and a family culture that references who God is and who we are as a response. So one thing that comes to mind is our God is a God of beauty and truth and goodness, right? Mm. So um, having beauty in our homes and talking about why we have beauty in our homes um, helps us to understand who God is and who we are and what sort of a good and beautiful life is. Um, another example is, and this is something that we all, um, well, I don't know, I struggle with, I suppose I'll say, is our God is a God of order and of peace. So I strive to create an environment in my home that is orderly and peaceful. But not only that, but I talk about why I'm doing that, right? Like God doesn't command anywhere that we have to have a perfectly minimalized home. Um, But he does want us to live lives that are rightly ordered. And how can we How can we image that and teach that and talk about that? Um, It could be something as simple as saying, you know, um, God is really generous with us. And so as a family, we are really generous with each other and we're generous by volunteering for this fundraiser or what have you. Um, And just making that connection. Oh, I really love that. Now, I want to just step back one step to earlier, you had mentioned that you had interviewed people who had recovered from porn addiction. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a lot of this understanding, or I should say misunderstanding out there. A lot of people feel like you can't be free from it Mm -hmm. if you get into it. But I know a lot of parents are, you know, they have kids who are dealing with it already. What could you say on that from your experience and what you've encountered? Yeah, so the the folks that I talked to who have recovered from porn, um, they talked about the sacraments a lot. Like just as a as a common underpinning, um, they had really profound and powerful experiences in the confessional, um, and in um, in the Eucharist, and with the saints. And so they talked about that. Um, the one gentleman that that I was privileged to have a really in-depth conversation with said that it just, for him, it was so painful and it got so bad that he, he decided that he was going to do absolutely everything he could to root it out from his life. And so he, um, he chose a job that was really demanding so that, so that it, it sort of took a lot of his time and energy and attention um, and really, really was disciplined with himself. He stopped going to the gym because he found that that was a trigger for him. Um, he stopped listening to uh, the music that he had been listening to and started listening to um to other music, like uh, Christian music. Um, So he made a bunch of lifestyle choices, lifestyle changes to help him um, to overcome that. Um, That was a really uh, extreme example, but he was really blessed in that journey. Um, 
I mean, it sounds like really good steps to take. And mm-hmm. I think there's something so true about the idea of the sacraments because mm-hmm. <laughs> I often think of them as the shortcut to holiness because mm-hmm. they're, they are the quintessential example of us not doing things on our own steam, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. just letting grace help us. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But um, yeah, if anybody is listening who is struggling with pornography and who is um, or who knows somebody who is, I just want to offer that God is always greater than that. Always greater. So no no addiction um, or no, no habit is definitive, right? Like it doesn't define them. And um, the, and people saying, oh, well, it's just once you're addicted to porn, you'll never get over it. It's just a lie straight from the pit of hell. <laughs> it, that's not true. Um, there are ways to decondition a habit and to, uh, to decondition um, pornography use. And, and that's something that, that offers hope. So the first step to that is really, you know, recognizing it and taking radical responsibility. Um, but, but ironically, it involves learning to feel your feelings, <laughs> which is, which is something that I always find really surprising because a lot of people are turning to pornography to avoid feeling a particular way. Isn't that true? All addictions, really. All addictions, and and not just addictions, but um, anything we do. Because there are addictions, like capital A addictions, you know, like drugs and um, like hardcore things, alcohol, things that are quite serious. But then there are there are little things we do like, oh, I'm really stressed out. So I'm going to go get a snack, right? Like that overeating. It's it's the same thing, um, just on a smaller scale. We don't want to feel the stress. So we go eat the food when even though we're not hungry, that's not what we really want. Right. And there are ways to decondition that if it's, um, to the point where it's out of control or, um, causing you negative effects, like, you know, causing you to use porn when you don't want to be, or maybe missing a social event. That was something a client of mine said that just broke my heart was that, um, he was missing, um, social events with friends in order to use pornography. Um, oh, and that's hard, right? Like, doesn't it just break your heart? Yeah, um, it does. Yeah. And so, so when you're in that situation, like there are ways to decondition that and, and, and it and they involve learning to actually process and feel your feelings in um in ways that are holy and healthy and uh break that break that response between the mind and the body if that makes sense it does mhm now Rhonda, I want to give you a minute to tell us about your programs too sure, so I have three offers. Um, the first one is an online course called Porn Proof Your Kids. It's currently in pre-launch and it's designed for Catholic parents. It um, relies on theology of the body and um, our Catholic faith and then just some really practical tips and tricks like exactly how to exactly how to porn proof your kids. Um, and so it's a self-paced online uh, on-demand course that's available for Catholic parents. Um, the second thing I do is one-to-one coaching. So I offer one-on-one coaching and I find myself really 
attracting a couple groups of people. So one are homeschool moms. I coach homeschool moms. Um, and then I coach people who either are struggling with pornography or they have a spouse who struggles with pornography or they're a parent who has kids who are struggling with pornography. And so um, those are the, the folks that I coach one-on-one and that happens uh, via Zoom. And I actually am offering coaching right now for um, a really low price. So if someone happens to be listening to this on or around the time that we're recording, um, I'm offering one-on-one coaching. It's only $25 for an hour. Um, so that's an option. And then the third thing that I offer is is to be a speaker. So to either come in person or to be an online speaker for, say, a mom's group or a parish or a retreat or um, or an event. And that, like I said, that can be in person or online. All of those sound like a really wonderful help. And it just gives me hope, honestly, that there's someone like you out there helping families through this because it's mm-hmm. an epidemic. It's an absolute <laughs> epidemic. So yeah. thank you so much for doing that and for coming on today. Yeah, thank you. Our our conversation has been a blessing. Thank you so much. All right, friends, if you liked this episode, one of the ways that we can get more awesome guests on this show is if you leave a review. So scroll to the bottom of this episode where the reviews are and hit those stars and then write me a little message about what your favorite episode was. I promise to read every single review and keep trying to get you the guests and information that helps you through this mission of motherhood. 